Hi, I'm Jim Ojoa, writer, director, feature, creator of the Eco Horror Film Strange Nature. And you are watching without your head. Joined by the fine fellows here of I Need You Dead. Woo! The movie title. It's not like a declarative statement. We have uh, director Rocco Sevenbergen. Hello. Oh, Rocco here. An excellent name. And the lead of this film, dude, dude. Esteban Munoz. Esteban Munoz. I'm the lead actor. I'm very and... white. I don't know how to say No, it. no, no. Don't worry. It took me. I'm not white, and it took me till I was like 18 to be able to say my own name right. So right. you're good, my friend. You're good. Yeah. Put that, nope. in this, put that in your next script. That's a good idea. Sorry. No, yeah. <laughs> yeah you can take whatever you want. I, I want written. I want some uh, credit, though. Oh, yeah, okay. that's fine. Yeah, it'll be a little thing. I'm just, right. It'll run across the screen. Copyright <laughs> Neil. Right. Yeah, Neil. throughout the whole movie. It's a... <laughs> Flashing yeah. on and off like Tyler Durden, just <laughs> exactly. randomly. I like this idea. This, I'm, I'm totally on board. So, All right. uh, premiering Friday and Saturday at Film Noir Cinema in Brooklyn, New York. I need yes. you. To Very That's excited with Q and A's, both screenings, and Lloyd Kaufman of Troma Entertainment in in the flesh on Saturday, part of the. Panel. Wow! So I got to meet the man. Yeah, I've never, never met Lloyd, despite oh, them both wow. being in the film. So that'll That's be fun. Funny. Very Bye. cool. Yeah. Multiple time guest on the show. Big fan of Lloyd Kaufman. It's very good. Yeah. I saw you interviewed uh, Tim Baum. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's that's incredible. I've always wanted to talk to him because, as you may have known, maybe you noticed our our film is made by Bad Taste Video. That's our studio. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, that is in reference to Peter Jackson's Bad Taste, which ironically i do think is the weakest of his original trilogy of horror comedies but uh you know you can't call it meet the feebles videos or something that right really make any sense but uh but brain dead i mean oh it's or amazing. as people know it you know dead, dead alive but whatever it's called brain dead in my opinion um does the original title as you probably already know by the looks of Everything oh yeah, but you. that's that's one of my favorites. One I would rent a lot uh, when I was uh, younger at the Via yeah. store. And interestingly, uh, when I had Tim Balm on, he said he said that uh, Peter Jackson always has, even like till today, wants to do a sequel to it. But he's wow. Oh, wow. making like you know these giant movies, so he can't. Yeah, fuck the Beatles, man. He should make a Brain Dead too. That would yeah. just be. And I would if I heard that a Brain Dead two had entered production. <laughs> I would kill somebody and steal their identity to get on the crew, even if I was just a coffee boy. That would be like such a dream. And I, I would love to speak with Timothy. And I don't even think he's probably that out of reach. I don't even think that's terribly impossible thing to set up. But I'd just love him to up on IG, dude. On yeah, if, um, he doesn't I don't really know do how I contact anymore, him, but yeah, I contacted him online, and he was into it. He was actually on twice. 
And uh, yeah, wow. it was funny after the first time I actually then, cause he said about how Peter Jackson was so wanting to do this. So I actually contacted Peter Jackson. I was like, I doubt he wants to come on. Mm-hmm. But what the and I got a reply and they said he was, he was uh, like, actually he liked the idea, but he was busy making King Kong at the time. And I was just like, Oh, why, why, why? Yeah. <laughs> Which actually, I'm, I'm curious. Like, has anyone watched King Kong recently? Like, how does it hold up? Cause I was so young. I didn't really have, like, I was like, Oh, Jack Black. Like, is it a good movie? Um, I actually liked it at the time, but some of it is fine now, but I think a lot of the CG does it. A lot of CG doesn't hold up in general, I think. Yeah, no, it's like early yeah, well, 2000s, mid 2000s, that whole culture gone because of CGI. Well, look at the later, look at the latter uh, Lord of the Rings, the, the prequels, the, the CGI and those, which are very recent. I mean, mm-hmm. man, what a load of crap. I mean, frankly, like, I mean, but you look at you look at Brain Dead, you look at Bad Taste, which we've named ourselves after, and you look at Meet the Feebles. Oh yeah, my God, which is actually my favorite of the trilogy. It used to be my least, but now it's my most. I mean, the the practical effects they never they never become an eye roll. It's no. always just like the CGI can look great for a couple of years, and I mean, this is like such a stupid argument. Everyone has been making it in the horror community for years and years, but I don't even care. It's just like it's not only that practical effects are like more fun to watch than CGI, but they actually age better. Mm. Even though you look at certain practical effects and you say, oh yeah, that's like, it's a little dated. Oh, I can tell, you know, oh, there's the strings or whatever. As it ages, it, it, it still maintains its charm. And in some ways the charm is almost amplified with time. Yeah. Whereas yeah. CGI doesn't have that charm it's just more of an eye roll you're like oh that doesn't look too good anymore but it's not like but that's cool that it doesn't look good you're just no, like, oh, yeah, it just, look, this just looks yeah. bad yeah yeah so i don't know man i mean that's why we we're all practical effects and always will be our next feature Woo! a lot of practical effects yeah good up, luck so. with that one rocco i'm yeah, just no, i'm co-writing it i don't have to worry oh, about really? any of it but yeah yeah <laughs> So but yeah, how did you, well, let Neil take over. Oh, no. I like a conversation. It doesn't feel like a strip. <laughs> but I was just wondering, how did you uh, two meet up? Did you guys know each other before doing the movie? Uh, yeah. So me and Rocco. Bad story? I don't know, but yeah. we, <laughs> we met in line at a Death Grips concert in 2015. And we kind of just quickly became friends because I think we were both movie people who made music Rocco at the time was in a band I've been rapping for a while but like Stefan both... had been working at a video rental store mm. at the time and it and we didn't bring this up in the ent- other interview we did for <laughs> the other day but I think it's a funny detail is that Stefan worked at a video rental store and I thought that was like the coolest thing on the sure. planet yeah um and I was like when we met in that death grips line he just like had brought that up that he worked at a video rental store and so I feel like actually the primary reason I kept that we stayed in touch after that concert was merely because I was just hounding him trying to get an interview. Yeah, you were. I remember like you sent like very long messages like you can you can you can trust me like I'm a fantastic worker. Like you were like you were sending messages as if I had any influence over who gets hired and I was like, yeah, fuck this kid. But but we both were doing music videos and yeah. you know, we we had like struck up a friendship early on and then we made our own music videos and he directed a video to one of my songs. And, and then from that, we kind of just became 
closer and closer buds and he had booked me for some shows and then eventually I moved in with him which is around the time that was I mean 2017 2018 was when the earliest I need you dead stirrings or at least like the earliest that I started to hear about Rocco's fanatic dream to make a feature um it's around 2017 I think yeah I moved in 2018 but either way yeah yeah either way me and Rocco had been like very close friends for you know at least four years before I need you dead was even made so yeah we it was a it was it was a continuation of a long-standing collaboration between us so um, I Need You Dead itself. Uh, it's very interesting. We'll go into it. But how, how does the script and the idea for the movie change for a time? Because there's a part of the movie I start to think, oh, I think this is autobiographical about the <laughs> process of making a movie. It, was that always part of the script and the movie? Or does that come about like why you're trying to get this made? Uh, yeah, I mean, so that it's a funny thing. When we did the premiere um, and... And I'm, I'm okay. So I'm kind of at the camp of like, I'm okay to talk about spoilers. If we, award, All right, uh, warn, yeah. I probably should have asked audience. that beforehand. If, if I no, no, it, what you said is yeah. no, no, you're what you've said, like, doesn't give anything away. Mm-hmm. I mean, re- it's vague enough, but like, um, sometimes people want to talk about spoilers. Sometimes they don't like, I'm down to talk about spoilers. If we just say, Hey, spoiler sure. warning. Like if you want to enjoy this movie to its fullest, go watch it. I'll tell you now it's, if you pop it in on your Roku, your smart TV, Google, YouTube, type it. I need you dead. It's, it's streaming. Rentable. Yep. It is streaming as of yesterday. It's now Woo! available for streaming. Oh, sweet. Good job. Um, Rocco. And, That's crazy. <laughs> thank you. Uh, and then uh, yeah, select theaters throughout next year. So like it's, it's out there. You can see it. Um, but yeah, let's, if we want to kind of get into that um, when, when we first, <clears throat> showed the film um you know somebody uh, well the most memorable part of our, our premiere night was somebody came up to me and said did all that really happen um was was because a lot of the film is i need you dead and then a lot of the film is actually the supposed making of i need you dead and that meta layer which we don't really talk about in our marketing and such um but you know, and, and so I'm featured in the film. Um, and yeah, we, we always, always have people come up asking if it really happened and, and how much of it was based in reality and how much of the movie was like developed while we were making it and that kind of stuff. And I wish that we could pretend like we were like these like wild gonzo artists, just like building this movie out of thin air as it was rolling. But like, um, no, like everything was like totally scripted from the start. Like it was all in the screenplay. Um, it was like a part of the kind of like initial thought processes as to like why I wanted to make the movie in the first place. Um, and ultimately, like the goal with the film was to make a movie that reeled in people who were like hooked on 80s nostalgia. Um and kind of like kind of like almost like building out the trailers and the marketing being like you know exactly what you're going to get and then giving them the complete opposite of everything they could have expected um to the point of it almost being what i kind of consider like an anti-film um just like trying to be so rebellious against the audience's expectations to the point where like i made it with the intention of people not liking it 
um, <laughs> or being frustrated oh, by I could, it. I could totally see that from by watching it. it yeah, it, I like it, but I could totally see how this would. You'd be if, especially for another first forty minutes or so, and then it totally takes you know total left turn. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I wanted to do that because you know it's like I especially feel like because this was a movie that I wrote when I was like nineteen or so. That's like when I started writing it, um, and like the initial ideas, the ideas started coming, and you know it's just like when you're in the like, and I'm still very young, like I'm I'm twenty three years old, but like way back in in the day four years ago yeah way back in the day you know uh but you know uh just coming out of high school drop just just was a college dropout and like living in kind of like this punk house with like eight other people were throwing shows every other night like like hardcore music and this kind of stuff like you know at that time you have your nirvana energy where you just want to like thrash and just get your anger out and I wanted to make a movie that was just like very expressive of my frustrations towards where the film industry was at and what I wanted to see change. And so I Need You Dead kind of came out as like a very like angry movie and like almost like kind of attacking audiences. Um, and I don't think I'll ever make a movie like that again because I feel like I, I got to like say my two cents and like, frankly, I'd rather, uh, like have a nice relationship with the audience than like a kind of like almost a negative like An assaultive ones one. yeah. yeah but but this movie was kind of made for I, I made this movie more for like people who were more in my own niche of people who were like frustrated with where independent movies are and were at and where horror comedy as a genre was at and it, it's it's really like a very selfish movie but like you have to make those so I'm not I'm not I'm, I had no regrets. Yeah. It's really interesting because I have another interview later tonight in a couple hours. So we got plenty of time. But um, that interviews with the producer and he sent me the notes that he took for the movie Dog Soldiers because uh, he was one of the producers. And, it, and just when I'm reading that, it's so opposite of your movie because he's taking practical notes like the idea of what's going to appeal to a broader audience, the practicality of making this. Uh, with there's some stuff about like the art of the movie, but not so much. It's really about you know just getting this made and people seeing it and watching mm-hmm. it at the same like right after I watch this, it's or reading that stuff right after I watch this. It's very, it's drastically different. I think it's kind mm-hmm. of someone who's all um, all thinking about their art and what they what they want to make, and someone who's thinking completely different, more in the business end. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's the thing is that like we want the movie to explode we want the movie to do well and the movie has done well like we just got covered in fangoria and rue morgue in the same week i mean like the movie is is doing well and people are having like big reactions to it um and and ultimately i i knew that you know in the same way that and i i didn't even really care for the film but the marketing was genius uh and it was what was that movie with jennifer lawrence and uh a mother Remember that film? Oh yeah, like I was very excited ago? to see it. No, I was. Yeah. Not, I cannot say I was a fan of watching it. In the okay, so yeah, we're in the same okay. boat. Yeah, we're in the yeah, same yeah. boat though. Yeah. But the the marketing for that movie was genius because they included quotes that were like, "This movie is the scum of the earth," like, and they like put that in the posters and in the trailer alongside quotes that were like, "It's a masterful piece of blah blah blah." And it immediately gets your mind going, like, what, what am I going to think? Like, I got to, it's so divisive. I got to see it. I got to have my own opinion. Like, 
the critics hate it, the critics love it. Like clearly there's a conversation in this film. And that's what I want and I need you dead to be is to be a conversation film, one that divides people um, and creates a conversation. And maybe that means that it has a five out of 10 on IMDb because half the people love it and half the people hate it. And then it kind of gets looked over as like, ah, this isn't like a guaranteed good time. I'm not going to watch it. It becomes more niche and so be it. But that's the movie I wanted to make. And and yeah, it is, it is uh, you know, it is kind of like anti-business, anti-marketable, being marketable, uh, like your, your friend's film would be. Uh, but at the same time, there is a market for it. It's just more niche. Yeah. So uh, Esteban, uh, how did you, I know you, you knew uh, Rocco, but uh, when did he come to you? Like, uh, I want you to play dude. That was gradual. Uh, it was, I mean, really like my first, and at a time what I thought would be like my only involvement with the movie was just someone for Rocco to send a script to and for someone to just read it. And there is a while, I think, in, I mean, yeah, it was probably from mid to late 2018 when, um, and I had moved out at that time. So we lived together, he was working on it, then I moved out. But basically, um, or maybe I'm getting timelines messed up. Anyways, it just, it was, you know, at first I was just reading it and talking with him about it. And we met up like every week and I just gave like as honest of my thoughts as possible. And whenever he would have a breakthrough, he would essentially just call me and talk about it. And, you know, I had been aware, dude was always like a part of the movie. Um, and I just, the first involvement was truly like, I literally I didn't think that I would play dude. When I look back on it though, I'm just like, oh, it was clearly all destined for me to play dude. And, you know, I have been acting since I was six years old and I have, you know, I have been in movies and made movies and stuff like that. And um, so I don't know, I guess like, I think it, it was less that Rocco like came up to me and was like, I think you should play dude. It was more just like for me, this kind of like silently gradual, uh kind of conviction of like oh wait i should i should be the one to play dude um but you know we still went through the casting process and we still auditioned tons of people because it was like i think i could play a good dude but also you know let the best let the best thespian win and we auditioned a bunch of people and it was funny because like i was because i'm technically i don't know if i'm even credited it's fine but I was like a producer. I did producer work. You're credited. What the hell are you talking about? <laughs> I, I'm not paying attention to that. Give me a break. Yeah. No, 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 no. <laughs> See, I'm, I'm credited. But um, yeah, so I was on the other side of the casting table where we, I was like watching my own tape. Rocco was watching his own tape and we were like, you know what? I think, I think we're the best ones here. So, um, you know, it was, it is what it, I mean, I, I genuinely think we were at the time and uh and, you know, but it's funny that you say that because Estevan 100% was the best performer for Dude. Um, no question about that. Um, there, there was another person we were considering who was actually a, a gal. Um, and we were kind of more just like intoxicated with the idea of like, wow, what if we just like changed the, the gender of the main character? Like right before we started shooting, like how would that, how would that like alter the story in like interesting ways? Um, but ultimately, like, we knew that dude needed to do some crazy stuff. Um, and Esteban would be down to do it. Um, yeah, that was another aspect. I was like, dude, like, it's just going to be 
more difficult for you to ask a stranger to do this like crazy shit right. in the second half of it like and it's just going to make it easier if i because yeah. i'll i'll do it like we we're already so close that it was well, like yeah sure i'll like you're you're probably aware of like at the very end of the film and i won't i don't want to spoil this moment at yeah. all but a particular moment uh at near the end of the film that takes place in public with Esteban, uh not doing so hot um that was actually improvised i feel that like was that was a completely wasn't in improvised scene like we didn't it wasn't even in the script and yeah. like it was just like look dude you look crazy right now why don't we just just shoot something nuts in the middle of downtown portland and if we had had and so everybody in that scene are just actual pedestrians just being like wait what's happening right now it turned out to be like some high school's prom night yeah, so it was, like it we was were prom walking, night. Yeah, so like a bunch of like 19, like teenagers yeah. clearly dressed up, trying to have yeah, a good very... classy time with their suitors. First like they, I'm just like screaming <laughs> down the street in like my underwear and they're all just like, holy fuck, what's going on? That was yeah, my favorite scene of the film, to be honest. It was amazing. But, and we'll, but we would never have gotten a different person to do that i mean it just it would not have just, have, that moment wouldn't have happened it would have maybe right it, or it would have just been like a more trickier like hey like what if i don't know i have an we idea we just what? got off on the idea yeah. of doing that we just were like this would be crazy let's just it'll be so fun and and i feel like when you're in the middle of a production you just have so much like commanding energy at least i do as a director where like mm. you you suddenly leave the real world and you're so everything, every waking moment is just about the movie. Yeah. And you're like, let's go shoot this crazy scene that in a normal day to day life, we would never consider doing. It's absolutely absurd. But in that moment where you're just, it's all about the movie, you're like, yeah, it would be crazy. But imagine like what it'll do for the finale of the film. And it's just like, yep, like, all, let's just put our egos aside and just do this crazy thing. And, um, and yeah, Esteban's the only one who could have done that. But then, okay, to reel it back way back where I was originally coming from, um, when I was looking at the auditions for the character that I end up playing in the film, I actually didn't think that in the auditions that I had the best audition by any means. Um, it was really just like, I just knew that I had to do it. And honestly, a lot of the same stuff, the, the stuff that I do in the movie is so it's just so intense and like to put and to put another actor through what I go through in the film, especially with how personal all of it is, it just wouldn't have made sense. Like they may have given a better performance, but it wouldn't have been as authentic to like what I very specifically want. Well, and you know, that also reminds me kind of one of my favorite things that I learned through the casting process was that, you know, it kind of made me feel better about when I when I audition as an actor myself, because a lot of the time, like, yeah, you would come across like a brilliant actor who's clearly like, okay, this person is clearly like a great actor, but we wouldn't, but you know, in terms of actually picking that actor, it's not as simple as who's giving the best performance because, you know, when you already have certain characters or actors casted, you have to think kind of like, okay, like, yes, this person's a great actor, but will they play off this role, this other actor well? Or like, so it's kind of about, so I guess all I'm saying is, you know, like, yeah, maybe they gave a better audition, but ultimately there's other considerations to take into account when you're casting. And I think the very nature of what I Need You Dead is, like there's a strong argument for why you specifically should have played it. So yeah, I don't know. 
Um, so ha- um, I know the premiere then fr- is Friday. So have you not seen it before on the big screen with with an audience? No, we have. We've uh, we ha- our our initial premiere in Portland um, was the day before all the theaters shut down um, all across Oregon. Uh, we were the last film screening to happen in the state of Oregon um, before COVID, and um, it was the morning of the premiere. And all the headlines were coming out saying theaters are closing. If there's this capacity, it's not happening. And, you know, we have been busting our balls for like two, three years on this thing. And the the programmer of the Hollywood Theater, which is Portland's biggest theater, and we were so, so excited to have it. Um, pretty sure Tarantino has a little piece of that pie. Um, but anyways. Uh, like he we, owns part of it? Is that what Yeah, he does. Oh. Yeah, I think he's one of the, he has an ownership of it, which is why he visits so often. But um but anyways uh the programmer hit me up and he was like hey man i don't know about tonight like i know that like we had sold out their main auditorium like it was it was like it felt like the whole city was going to be there it was just such a huge event and he was like i don't know like i'm trying to figure it out and you know literally just mere hours before the premiere he was like okay like we're gonna do it we're gonna keep it on the down low basically and uh, tomorrow morning, you know, we're going to shut our doors and it's going to be over. And after we did that premiere, I mean, everybody who I knew was like, yeah, I need you dead was the last movie I saw in theaters. And everybody had that as their like last thing they did before COVID. Um, but we, we, we got, we tried to get innovative, uh, and we built our own drive-in theater in Portland where we, draped a giant screen over the side of our our office that we had in kind of an industrial part of Portland and we did about four drive-in screenings of the film and sold all those out and then we did like a locals film festival as well where we showed it one last time and um yeah so we've 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 gotten to show it to audiences but it's never been in New York City which is which is a huge moment for us Estevan's actually flying out in a couple of days to come be a part of it yeah, so we're all very Friday. excited Oh, yeah. nice. Yeah. So, uh, are you are you are you in New York uh, now, like all the time, Rocco? Yeah, I'm, I work at Troma. I'm in the Troma building right now. All right. Very cool. Yeah. So uh, did, did that come about before uh, I Need You Dead or during or after? Uh, working at Troma? Yeah. Uh, I started working here about a month ago. OK, so, so yeah. I moved to New York about four months ago mm-hmm. um, and Yeah, I had always planned on moving to New York. And ultimately, I dropped out of film school uh, to make movies about six months in. um, And uh, I I dropped out to make a short called Meat Lovers. That took me to New York for Troma's festival, their Troma Dance Festival. And then it screened there. I met Lloyd. And Lloyd was like, I would love for you to come work on my next film. So then I flew back to New York the following year to work on Shakespeare's Shitstorm his newest film um kind of the spiritual sequel to the movie he did with james gunn tromeo yeah. and juliet yeah. um, there's a cast q a we did on the uh on the youtube oh wonderful yeah. wow oh, i'll have to for shitstorm yeah oh wonderful cool. i wasn't invited no, i'm just kidding <laughs> um but uh so that no i'm just good uh but uh <laughs> The working on that film was like my film school to learn how to do I Need You Dead. So then I went back to Portland. We did I Need You Dead. Uh, and 
then I came back to New York again, and now I live here, and now I work at Troma, and through Troma, working here, I'm currently booking Shakespeare Shitstorm all across the world right now, and anytime that we land a screening, uh, I always, afterwards, I say, and I made a movie called I Need You Dead, and maybe you'd want to screen that too, and so I've been milking this job uh, for our sake as well, Milk so it, it's been good. Milk it. Yeah. For everyone's sake. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So how, how did the um how did those screenings go in Portland? Did uh how did people take to the movie? You know, it's kind of hard. I mean, I think overall, like people really enjoyed it, but you know, a lot of the people there, you know, they're friends and family. Sure. And like they and not to say that they would lie to our face, but you know, generally speaking. They, well, want, they might not say we hate this movie to your face. Right, but they want to see us win. Yeah. They are a much more they want us to succeed. So I think it went well. I mean, I don't want to say that as like a cynical, like, oh, I don't trust any of their compliments. <laughs> but uh no, I mean it was very positive. I guess I just say that because to me, like, and Rocco, you've already experienced this showing I Need You Dead and other I mean, you went to Mexico and played it, but mm-hmm. I have yet to like be in a total group of more or less strangers and yeah. so i think you know i mean i do think that that's like a radically different i just think the the headspace is like it's less like oh yeah i saw this kid at a house show two years ago look at him ha 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 now it's like you know it's just more like all right show us what you got kind yeah of and it's uh it's it's super audience to audience i do tend to find that like particular audiences like I feel like the audience like there's and this is why theaters can never die um it's just like when you're in a movie theater and people are like invested in the film a certain energy collectively among the audience starts to form and I tend to find in the screenings where people that collective energy starts to become like oh wow this is like really interesting the naysayers also start to feel that and they're like well maybe they reconsider they're like maybe maybe there's something here um and when we as Esteban mentioned we did some screenings in Mexico we did four screenings in Mexico last month in Puebla, Tlaxcala, Cholula we've hit a bunch of places and because your girlfriend translated the movie right yes uh, okay. uh, the producer of I Need You Dead who's also my partner Aaron Chaklide uh translated the film into Spanish which is um, amazing feat. Go, yeah, Aaron. she's she's fluent. Yeah, and none of the there's so much slang and bullshit in the movie. So, um, but anyways, we screened it in Mexico, and I mean the audience reactions there were just oh, it was just amazing. And and mm. you get treated like so much better. Um, <laughs> like let's move to Mexico. <laughs> I, really though, it's like the first night we were there. Immediately there was like a. A Mexican news station like at the at the theater and they wanted to do an interview and they did like a live feed to their their page and everything and they had like this extremely detailed interview with like really like really like interesting questions like and the dude barely could speak English like it was so so cool um, whereas we recently were in Salem Massachusetts for the Salem Horror Fest which was a lot of fun um, but that that audience i mean i just feel like they didn't have very much to say like i feel like there was kind of a collective like oh it's the end of the night we've watched like 10 movies we're like a little jaded now like and people were like ah this isn't just like simple fun it's just like too much and some people walked out and like weren't really into it um 
So it's really audience to audience, but I think, I really think it's like, there's something about being in the theater and, and just kind of curating a great event and a great energy within the audience. And I don't know, I think that, I think that has a lot to do with the audience reactions that a lot of times people don't consider. I don't know. That was uh, probably the main thing I missed during the pandemic was going to, uh, well, going to the theater in general, but going to uh, yeah. festivals. Because there's, yeah, there's yeah. something you said, especially a festival audience, it's usually, you know, like-minded people who are into something different and mm-hmm. it doesn't necessarily fit into a genre. Uh, I'm in Massachusetts, yeah. but I've actually never been to the Salem. Uh, oh, okay. Well, it. we're going to come back in January, I think. We're going to come back to Massachusetts, whether it be Salem or Boston. Yeah, um, I'm closer to, to Boston. some screenings. So, so let's, let's meet up. Let's get right. lunch. And maybe you Ooh. could moderate a Q&A at the screening. Sounds good. Yeah, there's some, uh, <laughs> there's some good, like, kind of art um um theaters in boston i would recommend brattle or coolidge mm. i would probably play something like that yeah i think we're actually in talks with coolidge right now oh yeah Bastard. it would fit in with uh mid- they, they do midnight movies uh coolidge after mm. midnight and it would fit in there great well yeah hopefully that works out and we'll share a, a bucket of popcorn together if yeah. you don't mind me dropping some m&ms in there no no that's fine yeah yeah, I just I was there for Halloween for their twelve hour horror movie marathon. I recommend uh, it. It's right. midnight till noon the next day. Were they like popular horror films or independent stuff or uh mostly uh for the midnight move? Well, it's a mixture of both. For that it's mm. all horror, but the midnight movies usually horror or something just something weird, you know. Mm. Well, sometimes they'll show stuff that maybe I'm not into, like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Like you don't like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles? I'm not I think it's my age. I was too old to be in, into it, uh, and then like, so I'm kind of a weird like I was into He-Man and stuff, but then I was like too old when Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Well, came. you better be careful because Stevon is actually the president of the oh, Teenage really? Mutant Ninja Turtle uh, fan club. Yeah. yeah, I have a story from the Coolidge because we went. Uh, my friend Annabelle and I went to see Maniac. They were playing at midnight, the original oh, yeah. Maniac, Classic. and there was this giant line all the way down around the building. We're like, oh man, wow. this is awesome. Everyone's here to see Maniac. And I saw a guy, I thought, why is this guy dressed as Jason? He had the hockey mask. Like, whatever, he's at the wrong movie. And so we're standing there, and then the guy comes out, and he's like, anyone here to see Maniac come up? Everyone else here to see Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles stay in line? So (laughs) like eight people came up to see Maniac. And then I realized that that guy wasn't Jason. He was whatever the character is that wears the hockey mask. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, that's sad. Yeah. Oh, well, Well, but also... If that many people were lined up to see Maniac, I'd also be a little concerned. <laughs> yes, something yeah, was in the true. water yeah. in your town. Is there lead in the tap? Why no. is happening? It could be. It could be. Yeah. All right. So, uh, how about just seeing yourself on the big screen, Esteban? You because you said you know you got some weird scenes in the movie. What was that like? I know you've been acting um, since you're six, but maybe not this kind of film. Yeah. No, for sure. I mean, right? Because. There's another movie I made with my brother. We co-wrote it and he edited it and directed it. And it's kind of like a, it's like a mockumentary. It's called Estee Does Not Make a Movie. But that was like the first time I like saw myself in a theater. Um, it's a brilliant movie, by the way. Thank you. Brilliant I film. It. I had nothing to do with it. It's brilliant. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's always, I don't know. It's weird. Like in terms of I Need You Dead when we first the first day of premiere uh yeah I mean it was just extremely stressful and I tend to be 
I tend to be like probably overly critical of myself. So it was, it's, it's difficult. And it's just kind of like, it's a, it's hard to like balance out the inner critic in your head, my own little creature. That's just like, oh, there, you should have like, I don't know, because I'm like hyper, like concerned with like, like, oh, like I, I know that line in the script, like should have gotten a laugh. Like why didn't it get a laugh? Blah, blah, blah. Like that kind of stuff. But generally, you know, I, I do enjoy it. And in terms of like that later, the later half of the film when, right, when, you know, to be honest, I genuinely, I think like I do better in the second half of the film than I do the first. So like paradoxically, I actually don't mind like the really more intense things. I don't mind watching it because I, as just like a viewer, I like, I believe my performance more in those scenes than not, or than the first ones just a little bit. So I actually enjoy watching that with people because I'm like, yeah, look what I can do. But I mean, so, you know, it's like anything where like, you know, it, you're a bit, you're a bit uh, overly... I would think just that what you said, they're kind of watching maybe the more crazy stuff. It's like, well, you know, it's me being crazy, but like something that's more uh, personal, like uh, more like a, uh, where it's more emotional acting would be harder for you to watch of yourself. Yeah, maybe. I also... I don't know. I have no idea. But that's yeah, my, yeah, that's yeah. my take on it. I mean, right. I don't know. I tend... Yeah. I, it's it's a mix of, like, you feel like you're the greatest actor in the world in one scene, and then the very next one, you're just like, dude, like, what the hell did I do here? And that's just kind of my experience with uh watching it though the last time i watched it which was only like a handful of months ago um i enjoyed it i don't know i was able to like he like i wasn't really that critical and i just like saw it more as like oh look at this like movie that is like this was my capability as an actor during this time and yeah i was i was much more forgiving because i think you know when you're like i can't i don't even know like you know, when you like make a movie or just any creative project, you tend to just be like too close to it to like have a sense of, you know, not that there's any objective response to any piece of art, but you know, you're just so like, I don't know, you just can't watch it like a normal person. But now I yeah. think enough time has, has gone by where the last time I watched it, I feel like I was like truly like, oh, this is just like a movie that I was in. And uh yeah, it's fun. <laughs> Long story short. No, that's cool. We should talk about the puppets because, uh, I mean, honestly, that's what caught my eye originally about the movie. The puppets like pretty wild. And your name was, was I like the, your name too, was good, Rocco. Dude, but... D-O-O-D or, or Rocco? Oh, dude, dude's good too, but I mean, his actually, <laughs> when I saw an email from Rocco, I was like, I have to check this out. And then I saw the puppet and I was like, oh, this is a movie I would like to watch. So Nice. Uh, yeah, who... so actually, oh, sorry. No, 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 no you go on. I was gonna just a quick I'm so sorry but quick question to Rocco where did Rocco come from because Cedra my partner asked that Cedra who's also in the movie from I think the store Stork brought him at night to his to his parents house yeah exactly uh, Neil's got it right what's your question Neil <laughs> yeah, sorry, well, I, I did, I'm sorry I didn't want to be foolish if Esteban had asked no no, that's, no, no, that's no, right. no 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 I'm sorry I don't want to hijack your thing okay go I got my no, no, that it's, is, it's totally fun that was the answer so Neil what's your question oh okay I forget what I was <laughs> asking now but he was uh what was I asking uh oh about the puppet where who does who actually yeah. designed the look for the for the creature um yeah in, so... my, in my mind it's kind of a cross between chatterer and and Belial 
Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, those are both the names of the Hennenlauter characters, right? Well, Chatterer, I was I was thinking because has no eyes, which is from um, Hellraiser. Oh, then, but Belial is Belial is from. Uh, I'm right. a big fan of uh, Basket, Basket Case, Case, right? Right, or is that what we're talking yeah, about? Yeah, about yeah, about yeah, best. Okay, sorry. All the Hen and Lauder world. I just assume everyone knows what Belial is, which I probably should. Assume. Uh, yeah, basket case. Yeah, I mean, totally. Um, yeah, man. I mean, the the puppets came from a variety of places. Uh, Eric Fox uh, did the creature, uh, which he he uh, was on Sci Fi's uh, Face Off. Oh, nice. The makeup special effects show. Um, and he did the practical effects for Sharknado. Um, and he was on Shakespeare Shitstorm. And so I met him on set and we kind of buddied up. And afterwards, I said, Will you do this for us? And he said, Yes. Um, and then other puppets uh, came from Sophie Middles, our special effects, one of our special effects leads. She did a lot of the puppeteering on set for the creature. She did the hamburger puppet, which has been very popular in our promotional stuff. Uh, And uh, she did the pizza face um, in the party. Um, So, yeah, that's where the puppets came from. And the the design for the creature was kind of like, you know, the creature is supposed to kind of be the voice in dude's head. So it's like we wanted to give him a mouth. But he still sees the same stuff that dude sees, so we didn't want to give him any eyes. He's just like an extra voice. Adds so. a lot of creepiness to him. Yeah. So, and that's and that's. Uh, I've always really loved the scene where dude takes off his own sunglasses and places them. I'm on a the big fan as well. Like I know. Make him a little less creepy looking as he has <laughs> yeah. to talk to him. Yeah. Do Do you still have him? Oh yeah, yeah. I wish I had him here for the interview, but he's. I got a couple. I got him and his sister uh at the uh the apartment they're just kind of hanging up hanging out above our front door yeah and there's a nice uh puppet sex scene which i've watched on loop <laughs> oh really i almost forgot about that yeah actually i have the victim here of the that's a shocking still... scene where like every time i see it i'm like good god <laughs> yeah it's uh it's offensive but you know i was like good god yeah yeah it's a little it's a little intense but you know giz initiated it so you know that's why they call him jismo sometimes hopefully he didn't get him wet because you you know what happens right you can't that's good yeah that's good you can't get him wet that's good (laughs) yeah and you know it was after midnight so (laughs) right he was getting he was getting fed too so yeah Terrible. Yeah. <laughs> okay, moving on, moving on. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> so we mentioned, you know, this will be for Estevan's first time meeting Lloyd Kaufman. Um, so I assume you got Lloyd in the movie after you met him at uh and working on um Shitstorm. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, he's always very uh supportive anytime I've been around him of of anyone's uh you know wanting to do something creative. Uh, yeah, he's, he's my hero. I mean, he's an absolute legend. Um, he, he never says no to anybody. He, any, no matter how small you are, if you want to have him get involved with your film, do a cameo, do interview, do anything, or even just visit the trauma office and get lunch. Um, he will say yes. And he just is a people person. He is, uh, he is, he is like the filmmaker of the people. Um, 
And uh, that's just all that I aspire to be in my career is just to be somebody who's extremely accessible uh, for anybody trying to get into film. And I Need You Dead was very much a doors wide open set where if you had no experience, it didn't matter. You could come on and, and hold a high position and learn, which is how I learned everything I did on Shakespeare Shitstorm. I didn't have any uh, grip or gaff experience, but that's the, the department that I got thrown into. Um, and so it was very trial by fire. But as a result, I learned infinitely more than I did in film school. So um, Lloyd definitely is the basis of Bad Taste Video's kind of like mission statement of just like educating young people in film with no cost, just passion. Yeah, I always bring this up on the show because um, lots of people have had on the show who have worked with Lloyd and it's always one or two things. There are people like yourself who have very uh, great experiences and then there's people, uh, I'll be honest, who have very negative experience. In my opinion, mm. it's always depends on what they lo they're looking for or what they expect from working with trauma. So if it's well, what, what, give me a negative experience, I'm curious. It would be people who say that they didn't make that they, they didn't make a lot of money. It's usually oh, money, and, or they have uh they weren't. I don't say treated bad, but like they they maybe expected to get more on set or something. But it's trauma, man. What are you fucking I, are you I kidding agree. me? Right, these people are angry because they're so stupid and they just don't realize it yet. I would be angry too if I'd be bashing my head against a brick wall. And then I found out, and then just, they just got to wake up. They got to find out they're the ones doing it. It's just so silly. It's just like trauma is not about money. It's about, it's about making films for two cents because you love doing it. I mean, you know, we don't, we don't, we're not here in some ivory tower or anything. Like, it's not like this office is, it's not like we have any money beyond what keeps the lights on. I mean, it's, it, it's really just all about making movies. So that's uh, just sad and from People what i've always give a shit. know about lloyd he's very upfront about you know you're not you're gonna make like he a... is he's extremely up these fucking people man he's so upfront about it he's just like when we brought i need you dead to him and to trauma um we said oh we'd love to have i need you dead distributed by trauma um we love trauma right and i wasn't even thinking about money i was just like i love trauma i want it to be a trauma movie um and Lloyd was like, please take it to everyone else first. And if you really can't mm. land a deal anywhere, then come back because we can't do much. And mm. he wants you to succeed. He wants you to like not be at this level. He wants you to shoot higher. And if you can take it, even though you have this connection with trauma, because to him, it's like, look, you won't be betraying us. If you go do that, you'll always be a part of the trauma family. You know, but like go because if, if you can reach higher and you can get higher, then you're going to be able to pay it back later to the ones that you love. And that's what James Gunn. Yeah, has I mean, done yeah you see Lloyd pop up in all Lloyd of them. In all yeah. these movies. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, people who say I gave my mo movie to trauma expecting to make X amount of money, like as if they promised them anything. It's just completely ridiculous. Uh, do you know Liam Regan at all who made uh, My Bloody Band? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I was talking to him this morning about yeah. his about his new film. Yeah, I'm really yeah, looking forward guy. to that. Uh, I like him a lot, and he said, uh, sort of what you said about you know working on a trauma movie was his film school. Uh, yeah. That's how he looked at it, and I, I bring him up a lot because I think it was a good quote. It's it is it the trauma working on a trauma film is film school, and if you and if you don't get the chance to, 
you got to watch uh, Poultry in Motion, the making of Poultry Geist, and you'll you'll learn more about filmmaking from that than you will in four years of any uh, film school, in my opinion. So, uh, Esteban, besides seeing the movie, is there anything you're looking forward to uh, being in Brooklyn? I mean, right. Yeah, honestly, like I just went, I'm going there. I feel like the screening thing was honestly coincidental. Like it was more just like, oh, yeah, what's up, Rocco? Like, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to mob you. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I don't, I'm not like a, I'm not a travel planner. I, I have no I know I'm going to see the, the new Paul Thomas Anderson movie at a, mm. I bought my ticket. What? Licorice pizza. When? Yeah. When are you going? Uh, I'm not invited be... while I'm, while you're here. Well, because it's during the time that you said you'd be busy because you said the first three. <laughs> all right. All right. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you, Hey, look, if I you want to come sick then, if you want to come, if you want to come, no, Rocco, licorice pizza. Oh, licorice, licorice pizza. pizza. Which has Tom Waits in it. You're not even a Tom Waits fan. I'm I, hey, Tom Waits I like fan Tom Waits. I like Tom Waits. You want to get into this? this fan. Anyway, I am a diehard fan. They're showing hey. it in 70 millimeter at the Brattle. I mean, yeah, at the Coolidge, oh. by the way. That, that I maybe bet you they're showing it on film there. in, in uh, little Tokyo area, Stevan. We should go to there. Why are you buying your. Should let me know. We could get to see it on film. I know. I mean, I am seeing. I'm seeing it on seventy millimeter. It's what? Just, <laughs> wait, wait. Uh, let's discuss this later. But in terms of other, I don't know. I'm probably just going to walk around aimlessly, going from coffee shop to coffee shop, just kind of getting caffeinated. There's a little bit of work I have to do for like a client, but um, yeah, I don't know. I'm just. I'm not. I don't know. I just. I just let the winds take me wherever they want to take me. And uh, that's essentially, you know, obviously I'm looking forward to, um, you know, the I Need You Dead screenings. I want to meet Lloyd yeah. because that, the funny thing is, is I've, I haven't seen any, I've seen like three fourths of one Lloyd Kaufman movie. Like I'm very like, I respect trauma. I respect Lloyd Kaufman, but like, I'm very like outside that world. Like he's, He's I think I have from... a boxy uh, painting over here uh, behind me. Oh, nice. Oh, nice. Um, so now I'm just, I don't know. I'm like just looking forward to partying, dude. <laughs> well, there you go. Very well spoken for dude. Yep. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But uh, I do want to say I, I really like the movie. And I personally like, I like the, be the beginning where it's just this, you know, a kind of a silly, you know, monster movie. Very trauma-esque. And then it take it becomes something uh, much more serious too, which uh, which I was not expecting, and I thought really worked in the movie. And uh, I really would not like to spoil it for people who haven't seen it. Would I think people should go in and uh, and watch it? Yeah, yeah. I don't think we've spoiled too much here. I think you know if if people listened in anyways, it doesn't you know go see it. There's a lot to there's a lot to digest. I think. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And uh, like me, I, I like horror because I like all different types. You know, sometimes in the mood for something silly, something schlocky, some something gory, or something more serious, and and this kind of checks all those boxes. Mm, good. Well, I'm curious, what's your what's your favorite ser like super serious horror movie? Um, I don't know. Maybe Rosemary's Baby is very good. Right, dude. Yeah. That's my favorite. I'm sorry. Like, it I think is it's just... kind of a perfect movie. Yeah. It kind of is. No, I honestly agree. That movie to me is like top ten, without a doubt. Uh. Yeah. Anyways, anywho, the original Frankenstein, I'm a big fan of too. I would say Bride, but that, that's a, a lot of comedy in Bride. But yeah, I like it. I love Night of the Hunter. Has anyone here seen? Oh Night yeah, yeah. Oh, dude, that yeah, one is nineteen. Love, hate, yeah. 
Yeah, that's a great, you should, that's a great one, Rock. I should show that to you. Yeah, let's there. watch it. I have yeah. my projector set up in the apartment. We'll watch it. Sweet. Sweet. All right. Well, along those lines, Rock, what are some of the movies that made you uh, want to make movies? Um, well, uh, the first movie I watched that uh, made like a, a serious impact on me was Back to the Future. That was like the first movie I watched where I was like, holy crap, like, this is just like why just like the ima the imagination it just struck in me was like as like a very young child was just like out of this world and like of course my 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 dad like showed me like star wars and stuff and all the, like the whole series and i was very young but like back to the future was kind of like the first movie that i saw where i was like man like i i just i want to like get into this world somehow even if it's I, that time i probably translated that as like i want to like fly around in delorean travel through time or something but i was just like something about like this movie just like i just need to be a part of like whatever this is i don't i couldn't even translate at the time and then as i got older um i was always terrified of everything i was like uh, I watched like the Goonies and like, it's, it like scarred me for like a year. Like I thought it was the most horrifying movie I'd ever seen. Um, shuffle shuffle then... is very terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, as time went on though, it was like my extreme fear of everything also created like an extreme intrigue in horror. Um, and so like over time, like I remember my mom took me to Walmart when I was like 12 or something. And there was like a copy of gremlins on DVD. And I was like, and it was the cover where uh, there's like gizmo, but then the shadow is the gremlin. And like, I was just like, what, like, wh what? Like, it's just like, uh, I don't know. Just like, just looking at the cover, I was like, ah, there's something about this that like, like the fact, I don't know. And then I just asked my mom, I was like, what the, what is this movie? And she was like, oh, it's from the eighties. She was like, let me, uh, we'll buy it. We'll watch it. And I was like, okay. And so she bought it. And I just like stared at that DVD cover for like weeks, just being like, ah, oh, when are we going to watch this? I'm so scared to watch it, but like, I really want to watch it. And then we did eventually watch it and I could not handle it. It horrified me and I didn't. It's a, watch honestly a, a pretty second. scary movie for, for, yeah. It's considered you know, yeah, I mean, I was like 12, 13, I was like, but at the same time, I was like 13, maybe like, I'm like, I was like scared of things for a long time. Um, and then once I finally, we watched it, I could not handle it. But then like, I tried again the next night and I tried again the night after that. I think I watched it every night for like almost two weeks. And like by the end, by like my 18th viewing or something, I finally watched the whole thing start to finish and didn't look away for anything. And then I kind of like had this self-reflective moment of like, man, I am like obsessed with this movie and then i from that on from that moment on i just went down the horror rabbit hole and i watched uh evil dead which was my first moment of like holy crap i could make a horror movie that was like the first mm -hmm. like wow okay this all seems like very tangible yeah. and then it was like wow i can make a horror movie how would i make a horror movie and then i fell into the trauma hole of like oh terra firmer and like Lloyd Kaufman's like behind the scenes documentaries on how to make low budget horror movies. And so then I fell in love with that. Um, so I don't know. I mean, that's, that's kind of like in terms of like what led me to, I need you dead. Um, I would say, yeah, those are the staples. And how about you, Estevan? What made you interested? Uh, you were acting at a young age. What, uh, what were you watching? Yeah. I mean, I don't know. My dad just, well, I guess the first thing I want to say is like, I don't know. If, well, maybe we have talked about this, but back to the future 
Yeah, that's probably like why we get along so well because mm -hmm. like, yeah, I mean, there is something about that movie specifically that it was absolutely my favorite movie of all time. I, I had the poster in my room growing up and I'm not yeah. like someone that likes to put things on my walls. Right. I like like a very like no austere clinical room, but Back <laughs> to the Future was a huge, huge um influence uh or just like no i'm with i don't know like i my dad essentially like the way that he the way that he bonded was watching movies with us like that yeah. that wasn't the only extent of like how he you know demonstrated love sure, no, I, understand. I, I watched movies since i can remember with my moms so. yeah no absolutely so my i don't know it started with it started with like Adam Sandler comedies, like, and, but even, even then, like, you know, I, uh, there's a period in high school where I was like, I want to be a, a director and I have like, I like wrote and directed several short films, but even before then, I, I, I have like a similar thing as Rocco where like, I would, I just watched so many movies, like as a young, like a baby, essentially that like, I just wanted to be in it. Like I wanted to be a part of it one way or another. And I've just always loved it. And, you know, like it started with Adam Sandler comedies and then, you know, high school, you get a little bit more snobby, a little bit more adventurous. You start checking out the, the, the more, uh, you know, uh, the auteurs of everything. But Punch Drunk Love to me was like the ultimate uh it's a movie with adam sandler to me like that's the ultimate bridge where like it is like a 90 minute romantic comedy with adam sandler that does play to some you know to some extent lowbrow comedic sensibilities yet there is this like there is something like truly beautiful and like amazingly crafted about that movie and to me like that's the one that I think is like the one like, yeah, it's th that's kind of the North Star in the sense of just like merging the high art and low art and like, you know, still wanting to thrill people and still wanting to entertain and just have like some element of, of a, you know, like some a popcorn element to it yet to still provide something that's like, holy shit, like this is extremely well done. So, you know, I don't know. I like, I've... I don't, I wouldn't consider myself a filmmaker like truly at all, but you know, I've directed music videos and I write screenplays a lot and I've acted a lot and I don't know. I just, I, I've always loved film and I've always, it's just always really excited my imagination and long story short, Adam Sandler comedies is what, is what started the bug. Man, you don't get that answer too often. Yeah, yeah. I know. Yeah, I think Adam. I think he though is like experiencing a resurgence in cultural favor. I think there was a period where he was kind of the joke of a lot of things, you know. And to some extent, like he was kind of putting it on himself with some of those movies. But I think recently there's been a new. I think Hubie Halloween. It's a new. It's a new. He finally came back with a Sandman classic. So, uh, <laughs> anyways, Sandman anyways, classic. yeah. Very good. Well, this Friday, Saturday, Film Noir <laughs> Cinema in Brooklyn, New York. Get to see uh, I Need You Dead. And uh, there'll be a Q&A. Lloyd will be there. These fine people will be there. It'll be a good time. And uh, if you can't be in, in Brooklyn, um, you said it was streaming. So how else can people see I Need You Dead? Yeah, so streaming is the big one now that that's available. So 
plug it in on your Roku, your smart TV. It's on Vudu, Google Play, iTunes, YouTube Movies, uh, and uh, iTunes. Someone uploaded it on Pornhub, which I was a little shocked by, but you could. But you have to have premium, and we get royalties, (laughs) so it does support us still. Um, No, but uh, so that's one way, and then it should be live on bestbuy.com walmart.com amazon.com in terms of dvd um i am still kind of like waiting on that to go live but by the time people are watching this uh if it's later on it should be live um but uh so that's another way and then select theaters uh i'm always going to be trying to book the film in theaters and theaters are always interested uh you know they're small theaters and I am one guy answering all those emails. So to me, maybe it seems like a lot of theaters when in reality it's not, but uh, you know, with select theaters uh, this in January, we'll do three shows in Boston and maybe one in uh, Rhode Island. uh, One in, Oh, the other place, maybe Salem, Finland. Yes. Finland. Um, So Portland, Maine. Yeah. Portland, Maine. That's the other one. Uh, so, and then, yeah, we're going to go back to Mexico for some more screenings. Uh, I think we're slated to maybe do some screenings in France in April. Oh, wow. um, so maybe some stuff in Canada too, in the springtime. So uh, yeah, I mean, like it's, it will be in some theaters. And if you happen to be in the right state at the right time, then you can catch it for sure. Uh, but if you want to see it right now, then move to New York city do or it, watch it on streaming. Yeah. You don't even have to move there. You, you can fly there or take a bus or take a trip hitchhike or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Still I guess we don't recommend on. hitchhiking, but you know, I you can get there. Yeah. yeah. And uh, you said you were working on something new. Yes. Stefan and I are deep, deep into a, a relationship together, a very deep relationship together where uh, we are pumping. Whoa. What's going on? Oh, oh, move. <laughs> um, I know. I was like, where are you headed with this? <laughs> Uh, no, yeah, we're we are deep in the process of making a new script together. Estevan had uh, a nice hand in "I Need You Dead." Uh, the formative stages of the script were definitely just kind of myself, and then Estevan came in for a lot of the re- the revision period of that film, um, and doesn't give himself enough credit for how much he did help me with that script. Um, but uh, and I, we honestly we had such a positive experience working on the script together for "I Need yeah. You Dead" in the revision stage uh, that when I started at the beginning for flapjacks, which is the name of our next feature, um, I was like, you know, I, I just got to have a step on involved the whole way through. And it even got to a point where, uh, I just asked a step on to take my idea, uh, and my outline for the story and write the first draft of the script. Um, and ever since we have been bouncing that draft back and forth and it has changed radically since, for sure. um, but we've, yeah, this is like a very tried and true, like 50-50 writing collaboration between the two of us. And it's been really, really fun. And yeah. because Estevan and I have very different, uh, just like creative processes. Or like um, sensibilities to some sensibilities extent too, like aesthetically. Skills and weaknesses um, are very different for both of us. So the way that we're kind of like crafting this script as it bounces back and forth is... Uh, I just think is creating something extraordinarily unique um, and something that's like very daringly creative. And I think we both have very high expectations as to what we want out of a story and a film. But again, those expectations are in totally different places. 
So because we're trying to make a script that meets both of those, I think that this movie is just going to hit so many high notes for so many different people in so many different ways. And where I said that I Need You Dead was like kind of an isolating movie for the audience and kind of was a fuck you to the audience. Uh, Flapjacks, I think, is going to be more like that Back to the Future moment that Esteban and I both share where it's just like you just fall into the movie you fall into the relationships of the characters and into that world. The and film is inviting you along as yeah, opposed to just like kicking you out of the car midway and being like, fuck you. Yeah, it's going to be like engrossing from the start. And I think that we're, the, the mantra Esteban and I have had is that we're trying to write basically a pop song of a movie instead of like a harsh noise track. Yeah. Interesting. Well, yeah. I'm looking for, I, I'm interested in seeing uh, more of your work. And I would like to check out your short film too. Is that uh, online anywhere? Uh, are you talking Esteban's about the feature? Up? Well, I was talking about the meat one, but uh, uh, oh, meat would also be interesting. You should, yeah. So Meat Lovers is on YouTube. It's on Bad Taste Videos YouTube channel, along with many other shorts that Esteban and I have done together. Uh, most notably, I think the precursor to I Need You Dead, which was Mike Michael Motorcycle, which I would highly re- recommend checking out. Um <laughs> But, uh, and then, yeah, Esteban's film um, that he worked on with his brother, Este Does Not Make a Movie, which in many ways, actually, funny enough, shares a lot of connections with I Need You Dead that I feel like I didn't even realize till like a year after the movie came out. I was like, wait a minute, that's so weird. But, you Um, know, I mean, there's movies predating in terms of the concepts, because, you know, that movie I showed you, that Iranian film, Close Up. Yeah, yeah, There's like, there's, you know, these are... Yeah, they're they're tales as old as time being yeah. reinvented through. But the... it, it, it's a brilliant film. You should check it out. Yeah, like it it's it's a really brilliant film. And actually, during this interview, I wrote on this note card uh, to hit up a buddy of mine about doing a release for that movie because I keep, oh, cool. every time it gets oh, brought thanks, up, man. I'm like, oh, I got to do something to like bring like give that movie like a second life because I feel like it needs to with our new audience that we have for I Need You Dead, more people need to see that movie. It's really it's really something else. I would like to check it out. I appreciate that, Rocco. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> now, how about yourselves? Uh, how can people follow you? Not not to Brooklyn or Portland, but online to see what you're up to. Uh, for me, obviously, follow bad.taste.video for just the general creative thing. Uh, my own personal page, because I also rap and do short stories and just kind of a bunch of stuff. But if you go to Instagram.com slash Estevan, E-S-T-E-V-A-N dot E-T-C. So Estevan, et cetera, uh, Estevan dot, et cetera. That is how you can find and follow my uh, continued endeavors. I like that you think people are like going on Instagram by typing in URL handles. That's how I do it. I don't have the app. www.instagram.com slash no it's just it's just funny um yeah but uh personally yeah Rocco Z um on Instagram uh Rocco Zevenbergen whatever and Facebook friend me on Facebook and feel free to hit me up at rocco.badtaste at gmail.com and if you have any interest in being involved in the production of Flapjacks our next feature film and would like to get some of that film school experience, please send me an email or a message. And no matter where you live in the world, if there's some way you can come out while we're shooting, we'd love to have you. We'll try to find, you know, help you find a place to stay. And uh, really it's an invaluable experience that could 
you know, be one of the first steps to a career in filmmaking and, and networking with people who could open doors for you. So we open arms at Bad Taste Video. Hit us up on any platform and we will get back to you. Very cool. This is, was uh, very fun to talk to both of you. Yeah, thanks for thank having you so us, much Nasty for having Neil. Us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This was yeah. a our, lot of fun. Our first interview ever for I Need You Dead uh, was also with someone named Neil. Like, oh, but he, I was just saying, was also three nasty years ago. Right. Yeah. So, so you're this is nasty. Full circle. Neil. So this is the last interview. Of we'll never ever do another Neil. Interview. <laughs> you're retiring. Right? We'll never yeah. hear from you again. It's yeah. just the perfect full circle. You got to right. respect those when you see them. And yeah, did he spell it the same way too? He, did, he probably had ei in it, but. He does, yeah. You're you're nasty, Neil. Yeah. He's or maybe at a Neil. maybe to sign like K. I don't know. Whoa, okay. I didn't even think about that. <laughs> well, like I say Neil, that like Neil sometimes your... people ask me, like, do you spell it? I I say with a silent K, just to be stupid. But Neil, yeah. Well, you it's like like kneeling down to like uh on your knee. I guess that's why it's never mind. Yeah, now it's got a different. Yeah, now it's just sounding dirty, but. Or maybe just praying. I don't know. But <laughs> all right. right. Oh, true, true. Yeah, to pray, right? Yeah, I'm a very spiritual man. Yeah. <laughs> Animated GIF on uh, coming up from that. Right. Oh no! Oh yeah, I forgot you're recording this. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, I'll let you guys go, and we'll do this again. Yeah. Sometime. Well, thank you so much for having us again. It was a really good yeah. time. Thanks for having us, Neil. And when we're in Massachusetts, let's link up and work do it on. Up. The event together and we can do a a uh, without your head uh themed i need you dead screening i would i would be all about it hell yeah sweet good to meet you neil thank you bye